imagine, if you will, crowds, massive crowds gathering to hear a charismatic leader excited and pressing in on each other, following, wanting to hear what that leader might say. No, I'm not making any reference to current political gatherings and rallies that are taking place, but rather what we find in the Scripture concerning the Lord Jesus in a gathering some 5,000 men plus the women and children. Some estimate that with families gathering there together to hear what Jesus had to say and to watch what He did, that it's possible that there might have been as many as twenty to 25,000 in the scene that is before us in Matthew chapter 14. We are very familiar with this account, this, this true story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 plus with two small loaves, or excuse me, five small loaves of bread and two small fishes. Isn't it amazing what Jesus can do, what our Lord can do when we give Him what we have. And the miracle of the loaves and fishes are a beautiful story of what our Savior can do, of what He's capable of. It's a very important story because it finds itself in all four Gospels. Here in Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter 6, Luke chapter 9, and John chapter 6. All four give this miraculous story of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as a little bit earlier at the end of chapter 13, it said Jesus made the statement that a prophet is not without honor in his hometown. We know that that's, that's another way of saying that familiarity breeds contempt. Well, I don't want our familiarity with Scripture to become contemptuous to us. What Jesus did here deserves our mining this for great depths, lessons that go far beyond a Sunday school class, far beyond just simple casual mentioning of Jesus doing something really miraculous. So let's read Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 13 and going through verse 21. And I'm calling this, uh, Little is Much When God is in It. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13, When Jesus heard it, that takes us back to the beginning of chapter 14, where Jesus had heard about the beheading uh, of, of John the Baptist or about um, Herod and his relationship or, and all. But when Jesus heard it, he departed from the boat, from there by boat, to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, that Jesus had departed, they followed him on foot from the cities. When Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. 
When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. He said to them, Bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And we pray this morning that, though this may be familiar, that you would give us new insight. Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds. We pray that Jesus would be exalted beyond all measure. That he would be not just the significant one in this story. Father, He would be the source of all blessing in each of our lives. Thank You for Christ. Thank You for His death on the cross for our sin. Thank You for His burial and and that You raised Him from the dead. That we stand today forgiven through Jesus Christ. May He be exalted is our prayer in His name. Amen. The Holy Spirit inspired all four of the gospel writers to include this, so I'm convinced we should read these stories, and this in particular often, study it carefully, and then we should learn from it continually. And so as we look at this, we, we discover some wonderful things. I, I, when I finish this morning, I hope that you, you, you will say there's a lot more that needs to be said. That you will embrace not just the hearing of this, but that you will embrace the things that we mine from this, much like a gold mine of truth. And I think there are three nuggets of truth that are found in this story. In verses 13 and 14, I see the Lord's compassion. It says that, When Jesus heard it, pointing us back to the beginning of the chapter, when He heard about Herod, the Tetrarch, certainly the Lord Jesus knew what an evil man He was. He knew the heart of Herod better than any man on earth. But when Jesus heard about it, He escaped. Not because He was wanting to get away so much from that, but His time was not fully at hand to be crucified. And so Jesus departed for a place that was deserted. I think we can learn much about His desire for rest. It's supported in other accounts throughout the Scripture that Jesus often went alone to pray and uh, to be by Himself. And there's certainly much to be said that if the Savior understood solitude with nothing but He and the Father, how much more should we desire that, to be alone with the Lord as well. But he deserted, or he departed to a deserted place, but the multitudes heard it and followed him. All around they heard what Jesus had been doing. What had Jesus been doing? Well, he had been 
healing the sick. He had even raised the dead. No doubt they wanted to follow him to see another trick, to see another miracle. That's not changed with time. There are some today, maybe, maybe someone here today, that you're just wondering what Jesus can do to amaze you, to, to, to somehow or another to, to, to tickle your fancy. Well, keep following, keep listening to what Jesus did. Verse 14, even though there were some that had followed Jesus by foot out of the cities for maybe whatever motive, uh, uh, an un- impure motive, Look what Jesus did. Verse 14 says, When Jesus went out, He saw the great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. What a statement to describe the Lord Jesus. For here's a group of folks, some were genuinely seekers following Christ because they loved Him. They adored him. They, they wanted to, they were willing, like the disciples, to give themselves to his cause. But yet there were others that were there with mixed motives. They were simply there because they wanted to be fed. They wanted another trick. But Jesus was moved with compassion. How often we read in the scripture of our Savior's compassion. Earlier in the book of Matthew, chapter 9 and verse 36, it says there that Jesus looked out on them and and, and had compassion on them as though he were a shepherd and they had no, they were sheep and had no shepherd. And he's the shepherd. He had compassion on them. In Matthew, the 20th chapter, as he's readying to go into Jerusalem, For the triumphal, the final entry into Jerusalem, Jesus found two blind men on the side of the road and they'd been crying out, Have mercy on me, son of David. Jesus, when the others were telling those blind men to hush, (laughs) Jesus had mercy, the scripture says. He had compassion upon them and he touched their eyes and immediately they were given sight. You cannot truthfully read the Word of God and not see the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ over and over again. To the widow of Nain, He told her, Weep not and raised that child. The story of the Good Samaritan. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Good Samaritan, is He not? The one who has compassion upon even those that have rejected Him. In our story here, in this account, We see our Savior's compassion. These words are not given to fill up space. They are the divinely inspired Word of God. And He intends, God intends for us to understand that He is a God who is full of compassion. The psalmist said it well in Psalm 78 and verse 38 when he said, But He, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Could that that not be your theme? Could that not be our theme? He is a God who is full of compassion and He forgives our iniquity and He does not destroy us. It does not matter what you've done. His grace is greater than your sin. You in repentance and faith turn to the Lord. You you know He's a compassionate Lord. And verse 14 says, He went out, He saw the great multitude. It could have been twenty or 25,000 folks. There they were gathered, and he was moved with compassion for 
them. The word compassion, well actually in our English it comes out three words, moved with compassion. In the Greek it's one word and it comes from a word, one of the roots of that one Greek word is, speaks of the bowels, the stomach, the gut. Jesus was moved from within. It wasn't the shallow, feel-good compassion that we see from prominent politicians today that say they care for the hurting man when in truth they really don't. They care for themselves and they line their wallets. But here Jesus is moved from within. Spurgeon said his whole being was stirred to its lowest depth and therefore he proceeded at once to work miracles of mercy among them. Moved with compassion. He knew in that crowd that there were some who had faith in Him, but there were others who didn't. These weren't just the good Baptists that were gathering to follow Him. These weren't just some good denominational group. These were believers and unbelievers. And Jesus had pity upon them. All were fed. All were he showed compassion toward them. He didn't separate them in groups. He didn't, in a moment, you're going to see that he told the disciples to divide them into groups. He didn't say, put all the good folks over here that have no blemish on their record. You put over them. I'll get to them first. Then you put all the bad folks. You put them over here. And I'll get to them if something's left over. Praise God he didn't do that. In our life, which crowd would you be in? Well, I know where I'd be or where I deserve to be. I've done a good job hiding it. <laughs> we all are sinners and short of the glory of God. He's moved with compassion. Let no man ever question the gracious character of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the Lord's compassion. And, and as we see that, it ought to remind us that we are called upon to exhibit that same character in our life. John 13, verse 35, Jesus said, referring to His disciples, that by this, by what? By love, by compassion, all men will know that you are My disciples. Not because you attend a certain church. Not because you dress a certain way or carry a certain Bible. He says, by your love, your compassion. Paul, to the Galatians, told them to bear one another's burden. Folks see compassion in you that the, there's only one explanation of why you would be compassionate because the Lord showed His compassion toward you. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians 4, verse 32, Be kind, tenderhearted, loving, forgiving one another, even as Christ, for God's, or even as God for Christ's sake forgave you. James 1, verse 27, what is pure and undefiled religion? Well, it's to care for the widows and the orphans, to show compassion. Let no man question the gracious character, compassionate character of our Savior, and let it be the example of every believer as well. And the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ, it reminds us of His omnipotence, in looking at this account, we see the compassion of an omnipotent God. He's not welding His power in uh, just whatever way suits His fancy. Rather, He's doing it in compassion. 
when Isaiah prophesied concerning the coming Lord Jesus Christ in Isaiah 9 and verse 6, how did he describe him in that, that wonderful description? He's described as the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the mighty God. And here we see his omnipotence in this uh, compassionate story of how that he would fi- feed 5,000 men besides the women and children with five barley loaves and two small fishes. This, my friend, was a task that was impossible for man. And we see his power demonstrating his compassion. What a, what a nugget of gold. What a treasure to, to discover as we look at this. It says he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Our Lord's compassion. But as we mine even further, dig deeper, verses 15 to 18, we see the disciples' discussion. Look at what they talk about here. When it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. I wonder how that disciples meeting took place before they actually went to Jesus. Did they get among themselves and say, Look, we got a pandemic on our hand here. We got an issue before us. There's... Thousands of people out here, and I hear them. They're grumbling. They're wanting food. They need to be fed. Maybe some have missed meals for a long time. The disciples are saying, let's tell Jesus to just send them away. Send them away. Folks, that's what religion is doing today, is it not? Send them away. Send them away to the philosophies of man. Some today are saying, send them away to what the government can do. Send them away. And the church is absolving itself of its compassionate responsibility through the power of the omnipotent Lord Jesus Christ to go in His name and to minister. Take our little and let Him make much. But the discussion of the disciples, send the multitude away. They were ready to limit the Holy One. You hear that in their discussion? When we think of God, we need to, we need to think, put down Hagar, the working of man's own conniving, man's own doing, and lift up Sarah. She, she was barren, but God miraculously provided a child. Hagar and the resulting child Ishmael was a result of man's conniving. Got to help God out. Sarah and Isaac was a result of God's miraculous power. We need to think of that. We need to act not with human reason so much, but act rather with God-given faith. Taking God at His word. Look at verse 16. Jesus said they don't need to go away You give them something to eat. Why did Jesus say that? You give them something to eat. I mean, they've had this discussion and their their conclusion, we need to send them back to their villages. They need to go and get food in their homes, get food in whatever manner they can. But Jesus said, they don't need to depart. You give them something to eat. Now, did did the omnipotent, omniscient Lord Jesus Christ not know that there wasn't enough among the disciples 
to feed that many? Certainly he knew that. Why did he, why did he do that? Well, for them to see their insufficiency. For them to see their inability to meet such a need. You give them something to eat. I cannot expound to you so fully what these verses, a couple of statements that stand out here. As these disciples have had this discussion as they now approach the Lord Jesus and we see Jesus' response. Look, two things to notice. I highlight this. Verse 16, Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. What a wonderful phrase. What a compassionate, gracious phrase. They do not need to depart. You know what that means? That means that there's never, never an excuse for compromising the gospel. We don't have to apologize. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Jesus is about to demonstrate His power. And so He says to these believing yet unbelieving disciples, they do not need to depart. They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat, knowing what He's going to do. Whatever we need, friend, we have a Savior who's ready and able to meet that. They do not need to go away. But look at this second phrase, verse 18. Look what Jesus said. He said, bring them here to me. Read those two statements together. They do not need to go away. Bring them here to me. There's a little interlude in there where he's telling the disciples, you find out about your insufficiency and your inability here. But then he says with all authority, bring them here to me. Bring all that you have. They had said, well, we've got five loaves of bread and two fish. Folks, I don't get the idea of five loaves of Wonder Bread or five French, French bread and those big huge things like that, even though that would be a miracle to feed so many. But this was a pauper's lunch. This was a little boy's lunch going, to, going to, uh, out for the day. Five little barley crackers, poor man's bread, and two pickled fish or preserved fish. That's all they had. The other accounts in the Gospels tells us that it was Andrew who had found this little boy, the little lads, with his lunch. And Andrew was always bringing someone to Jesus. But Jesus said, bring them here to me. Jesus would remove the curse. He would add His blessing. And He would make those paltry little loaves of bread and, and two little fish. He would make them in enough to feed a multitude and have ample supply left over. Little is much when the Master is in it. Think about that. It is God's delight and God's glory to use that which man considers useless. He used the cry of a little baby to move the heart of Pharaoh's daughter in the book of Exodus chapter 1 and to bring about a deliverer for a nation. He used the staff of a shepherd, a bad shepherd at that, Moses. He used that rod, that staff, to go and work wonders, to, 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 to do miracles. 
He used a little boy and a slingshot to defeat the champion of the Philistines, a giant of a champion. He used a poverty-stricken widow to feed a prophet named Elijah. He used Balaam's donkey to teach a valuable lesson. He used the jawbone of a donkey to slay thousands of Philistines. He used a little child to teach his disciples humility. And he used a boy's lunch to feed 20-some thousand people. Little is much when our God is in it. And even more so, He uses men who in themselves are useless. But He uses them to proclaim the glorious riches of Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ to preach the gospel. So we, we see this little nugget here of the, Lord, uh, of the disciples' discussion. Followed up to the fact of His compassion that's been shown. But I want you to see lastly here the multitude's provision. Our Savior's compassion in the Lord's discussion leads us in verses 19 to 21 of the provision for the multitudes. Look what He provides. He commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and He took the five loaves and two fish. And looking up to heaven, He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. The liberal that rejects the inspiration of the Scripture and the authority of the Word of God and that looks for ways to deny the miracles of Christ, their lesson here from this is that well, the little boy's lunch spurred the others to be compassionate. So everybody, everybody started pulling out their own little lunches and everybody had food and they shared. There was enough for everybody. Not remembering that it says there were 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. And, but, but the liberals are, are those deniers of the inspiration of the Word of God want to tell us the lesson here is just to, just to be compassionate and loving toward one another. No, my dear friend, the, the lesson of the Word of God here is that our God provides. Miraculously, He provides. And whatever you might have in your life that may seem so little and so insignificant, when you've reached the point that you recognize your insufficiency and your inability, turn to Him with your little and He'll make it much. There's a beautiful picture of the gospel. I don't want to... When you study the scripture, you, you need to be careful and not read things into the scripture. But I think there are analogies uh, in the scripture. And I think this is a great analogy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may say, well, wait a minute. Well, I think the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us some things. The multitude in the deserted place here, I, I think, says a lot about lost mankind in the world. We are just like this, this hungry multitude. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, in your lost state and my lost state, we are just like this destitute crowd. All of the sons of Adam are perishing souls, lost, helpless starving and, on, and headed for eternal ruin apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we look at this and we see ourselves in this multitude, the loaves and the fish 
I think they represent the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of the, of the gospel, I'll say. In John 6, verse 33, Jesus said that He was the bread of God which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, it is the preaching of the cross that meets the needs of sinners. Every need is met by the Lord Jesus Christ. When we look into this account, this story in the Scripture, and we see this of these two little... These two fish and, and five pieces, five crackers, if you will. There's no way that was sufficient to feed so many, to meet the needs. It barely would meet the need of one poor little lad. But it was insufficient for the need at hand. Only the miraculous power. And folks, I'll tell you this. Just a death in itself of any individual is not sufficient to save. There have been many good folk that have died for a cause. History is littered with stories of those that have been martyrs for some cause. But the death of Jesus Christ is the death of a substitute for a sinner. It is the atoning sacrifice that God the Father took a sinless one, the Lord Jesus Christ, to become sin for us to take our curse. And that which was insufficient of our own abilities. Jesus Christ alone could meet it, just as Jesus taking and blessing the miraculous of this bread and these fish. And so we see, we see the Lord in His work here in the doctrine of the gospel even in this. I see in this the passing out of the loaves and fishes speaks to the human instrumentality. What we are to do, think about it. Just as we... What, what's our commission in this? Bring our little if He'll make it much and distribute it. What have we been called to do? Proclaim the gospel, my friend. Proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs. They passed out the loaves and the fish to the crowds. I can't make loaves and fish. But I can bring my lunch to the Master. I can't multiply the loaves and the fish, but I can pass them out when He blesses and breaks them. I can't save, but I can preach the goodness of Christ and the gospel of Christ that He alone saves sinners. That's our responsibility in this. And the satisfaction as we look at the end, it says that in the end they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. I see the fullness of grace pictured in this account. All who come to Him will have everything they need and then some. A believer is satisfied in Christ alone. You don't have to look for something else. Stop it. Stop looking for the next best whatever to give you satisfaction in the Christian life. He alone satisfies. Twelve baskets full, bread enough and to spare. In my Father's house there is bread enough and to spare. So little is much when God is in it. What do you have to bring to Christ? I know some are going to answer that as I would. 
I have absolutely nothing. Then bring it. Bring it. Your uh, insufficiency, your inability, bring it and watch what He can do as He multiplies it, as He transforms your life. That's the miraculous, miracle-working Lord Jesus Christ. Bring your lunch to Christ and watch Him work. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the Scripture and for this familiar passage, but yet this powerful reminder of Your sufficiency to provide for us all that we need. I pray this morning for that lost person that's here or listening that's trying to bring something of themselves to save. And they think that in itself is sufficient. Maybe they need a time like the disciples to realize they have nothing they can bring that is sufficient to feed, to, to meet such a need. Father, I pray this morning that you would save the lost, for that is the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary. I pray this morning that the gospel has been proclaimed in a, in a plain, simple way that people would turn to the Lord Jesus. We who have nothing to bring in order to merit salvation, may we bring ourselves to you in faith, trusting you to graciously supply that which is lacking, salvation. Thank you that Jesus suffered, bled, and died in our place on the cross and was buried and raised the third day. Thank you that He lives today and thank you that He is compassionate and sufficient to meet our every need. Move in the hearts of people today as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen.